All right. Well, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today, but it's not going to be me that's doing the teaching. Uh, you guys know that one of the mandates of the Lord that we have been under this year is to raise up more preachers. And so earlier in the spring... And the early summer, we had all of our preachers in training do some mini messages as, as three of them shared the pulpit in one Sunday. Now, phase two of the program is only two of them are going to share the pulpit, which means they're working on developing deeper messages, digging a little deeper, doing more research, writing longer messages until we get to phase three when one of them is going to have the pulpit all by themselves. But today we have two of our preachers in training and, and I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, we've worked through what they're going to share and, and they've got great words that the Lord has put upon their heart and we're going to be challenged and we're going to be blessed by it. And so today you're going to hear from Roy Nagata and you're going to hear from Andrew Chidester and it's going to be an awesome day of, of studying the Bible. So Roy, come on up here, get us started and then when Roy's done, Andrew, you just come right up and follow. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We ask for your presence now, Lord. Bless the congregation, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Loosen my tongue now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, Kauai Baha'i Church Ohana, and welcome to those who join us on our digital campus. And Barry and Eileen, we're praying for you. And, and Gabby. Well, early this morning, as I thought about how to introduce this topic, the thought came to my mind that governments on earth were not made to last. But the Bible speaks of a government that is not of this earth, that will last forever. And it will be ruled by a king, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his, his government and peace, there will be no end. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege and honor to share with you some of the words spoken by that king, the king of all kings, and my Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this morning I'd like to read from the Bible a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount known as the Beatitudes. Um, the title of a message this morning is The Blessed Life. And my big picture point is God has provided everything we need to live the blessed life. In Matthew 5, the scriptures from the New International Version says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the weak, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will call children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, and my name is Roy Nagata. Okay, forgot to say that. So, thank you, Max. And my, my scripture text is found in 2 Peter 1.3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, he has called us by glory and virtue. Now, when I read these scriptures in, in Matthew, I dialogued with the Lord. So I told him, Lord, I, I can't do it. This is too hard. I, I can't live this, this blessed life. And I believe the Lord spoke to my heart and said, that's right. It is impossible for you to live the blessed life. And I said to the Lord, and this is supposed to be good news? And the Lord said, yes, because the blessed life does not come from you. It comes from me. I am the giver of the blessed life. And I have provided everything you need to live the blessed life. I died for you to give you life and wholeness through me. Well, God, I don't think I can live this, this blessed life out. And I don't think I can teach or even talk about the Beatitudes with confidence on Sunday. I still struggle in these areas. I am just not worthy to teach on this subject, Lord. Please get someone else to speak for me. You got it all wrong, Roy. I never expected you to live up to the standards of the blessed life or to fulfill all the Beatitudes. I fulfilled the Beatitudes, and you cannot keep them. Just as no one could keep the law which I gave to my servant Moses on Mount Sinai, it is doomed to failure. 
because I am the only one who could fulfill the law. But I had a plan and a purpose in all of this. The man would realize their need of a savior through me to redeem man from sin and, restore, and to restore a man's relationship back to God that's lost, that was lost in the Garden of Eden as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And if you try to fulfill these beatitudes apart from me, you will fail as well. In Matthew 5:17, I told my disciples, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. All the commandments are fulfilled in me, and my godly nature is displayed in all the Beatitudes. And I do desire to place my character within you. And as I pondered these thoughts, I came across a statement from the late Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. And he said, quote, Someone has said the character which you find in the Beatitudes is beyond all question, nothing less than a Lord's own character put into words, unquote. So what is the character of Christ? According to the Bible, it is God's own nature, which is love. First John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. First John 4, 16 says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And how is the character of Christ manifested in man? It is made available only in the life of a believer of Christ who has been born of God's spirit. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior and Lord. The attributes of this character are known as the fruits of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit, spoken of in Galatians 5.22. And it reads, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So how do we partake of Christ's character? In the same manner, we partake of Christ upon conversion. Mark 1.15 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, if someone may ask, what does the word repent mean? In a strong concordance, the word repent translated means to change one's mind for the better, heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's 
past sins. And you may ask also, what does it mean in Luke to deny self? Again, from the Strong's Concordance, it reads, to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one, one's own interests. So how does God cause us to, uh, to deny ourselves? Does God beat us like an abusive father? Certainly not. Although God may and often does reprimand us as a loving father in circumstances where, where we defiantly, defiantly resist him and his ways. But his first line of defense to cause us to repent and deny ourselves and take up our cross is to show us his love and his goodness to us, to draw us into his presence, to hold us in his loving embrace. Just as we come to him broken, he breaks our heart and our wills with his love to follow him. Romans 2, 4 says, or, you, or do you despise the riches of his, his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And he can accomplish this in the secret place daily where he meets us in prayer, in his presence, and in the meditation of his word, where it speaks to our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit in the written word. And this is where the seeds of his nature, the fruit of the Spirit, are birthed and nurtured. And it is when we take it out into the world where it bears fruit for others to partake. God's nature is love. While he is a holy God, and a God of, of justice, he does everything in love. It is love that draws us unto himself. The late Kevin J. J. Connor, form, former elder and teacher and dean of Portland Bible College, now known as City Harvest Church, where Pastor Aaron and Sister Shannon came from, says in his book, Messages from Matthew, Love is poor. Love mourns. Love suffers wrong. Love makes peace. Love hungers and thirsts after God. Love reconciles men to God. Love is pure. Love is peace and restful. Love will be persecuted, spoken against, and reviled. Unquote. The Beatitudes are the nature of Jesus. He alone, reliving his life in us, can live and fulfill these laws of the kingdom. And when we are reviled or persecuted, we ask God to focus our thoughts and our hearts on him. He is with us. And he promises to never leave us or forsake us. We deny ourselves in order that we can become that living sacrifice for God. 
we are the vessels that God uses to help, to help others come to know his great love. It is he alone reliving his life in us as is his vessels of love. For he has provided everything we need to live the blessed life, a life blessed by God that lives his loving character to willing hearts. Amen. And may God bless you with his, his blessed life. And here comes a willing heart, Brother Andrew. Hello there, my name is, hello there, my name is Andrew Chidester, and the title of my mini message I called Balancing Act. And so my big picture point of this was we need to find a balance between privately seeking God and also publicly living our faith. And where this comes from is Matthew chapter 6. And in this chapter, we see multiple times Jesus repeat a very similar story with three different concepts. And so starting in verse 1, Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And so here we see Jesus kind of compare and contrast two different scenarios, one being who he calls the hypocrite, who's doing it all publicly, loud, just trying to get attention, compared to what Jesus said that the one that does it privately, who does it for God. And so in um, verses 5, he starts to repeat it again, this time with the concept of prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. And then starting in verse 16, he repeats it again with fasting. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows you that what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. And so here we see this pattern where there's the hypocrite and the one that Jesus calls and tells them to do, and the difference that one's doing it publicly for people and there's no reward, and the one that instead is doing it privately and there's the spiritual reward attached to it. And at first reading this, it kind of seems like something that, oh, well, I guess I'm going to go in my room, just pray and fast and do that and never go out in the public and preach the gospel and live out my life as a Christian. And I see that as 
not the right thing to do because one of the verses that Roy just read was Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your, light sh- let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And so that's almost the s- complete opposite where it says let your deeds shine out for everyone. So what's the difference here? And so I see the main difference being that there's two things and it's where our heart is. And so the first one is our spiritual actions shouldn't be about ourselves. And so in the story of like the hypocrites, we see where everything that they're doing, it said they were doing it for admiration from others in two of them. And then in one of them, it said they did it to be seen by others. And so in this, um, Jesus was saying that they were doing it for the admiration And in verse 1, where it says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward. And what I saw there was the don't is doing it, is less about the publicly, because in verse, chapter 5, verse 16, it said to do them publicly. But the don't is going to the admiration by others. And in this admiration, I kind of saw there was two different sides to that, that there was towards Christians, because in reality, most people aren't going to admire us out in the world if they don't already believe in God. If they see us praying, it's not like they're going to all of a sudden think that we're so much greater just because they see us praying. And I see it as more as it's admiration from other Christians. And for me, that's kind of a um, relief in that, especially with like corporate prayer, publicly praying and stuff like that scares me. And what I saw there was, it's not about when I'm praying, it's more about I'm trying to look good in front of others when I'm praying out loud, that in my head I'm practicing what I'm going to say. I'm rehearsing what I'm going to say, and it's not really coming from my heart. It's more coming from my mind to try and impress others. And in that, I'm losing the spiritual reward attached to that, that when I'm publicly praying and I'm making it about making myself look good, that instead I'm losing what God has called and then also there's the other side towards unbelievers. I see more as being the being seen when it said that the hypocrites were praying in the streets publicly to be seen by others. And there's that idea that just being different is going to make us be seen. And then we can try and draw that attention to ourselves. That one time when I was at school, I was fasting and this one kid was trying to give me food and I told him, no, I'm fasting. And then he started to make like a big deal about it and started telling everyone that. And instead of me then pointing it towards God and explaining why, I kind of just drew in the attention on myself. And in that, I feel like I lost the spiritual reward of what I was doing there, that I didn't really see anything from fasting. Then instead, I was just starving myself for attention. And so with that, I also had another story from Luke chapter 18, where Jesus was telling a parable about two different Um, two different men and it said two men went into the temple to pray one was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer I thank you God that I'm not like the other people cheaters sinners adulterers I'm certainly not like that tax collector I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income but the tax collector stood at a distance and didn't even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
And so there we see the Pharisee. He was doing everything right. He was doing good deeds. He was praying. He was fasting. And he was tithing. But in it all, his praise wasn't towards God. He was doing all of those things almost just to make himself feel good, to praise himself. And compared that to the tax collector who, he didn't have it all together. He had a bunch of flaws, different things that he had done wrong. But in that, he realized that and instead pointed the praise towards God. And so that's the second point that it's, if it's not about ourselves, then we have to make it about God. And going back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The idea that our deeds have to be pointing towards him and for him. And that's the difference, and that's how we're going to live that balance. I kind of like doing this with, recently I learned the word juxtapose. It's like my new favorite word. And it means like you put two different things next to each other to show the difference between them. So I want to read verses 16 from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 together. Even though they weren't right next to each other, I feel like it shows the difference In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. But watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward in heaven. So the idea that to find that balance, we have to make sure that it's not about ourselves and that it's about God and that it's important that we have both that private where we're able to just seek after God and we know that that's our full intention of it comparing that that we also need to be able to go out but make sure we're doing it in the right intentions, that we're not just putting on a show to gain admiration from other Christians or to try to draw attention to ourselves, but that our actions should be pointing to people towards God. And that to do this, I see that we need to live in the wisdom of God, that that's how we're going to make sure that we don't get caught in that sense of um, trying to pull in admiration for ourselves we're in James chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from the wisdom, comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with the truth with boasting and lying. But the wisdom from, oh, skipping to verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So to live that balanced life, we have to make sure that God is in the center of all we do, but then living in the wisdom of God and not the jealousy of man. That we see there that um, the two different sides, the wisdom, that we're living in wisdom, and that's what's going to inspire good deeds, or if it's about our own ambition and trying to seek after the things for ourselves instead of God. And so, yeah, that's kind of my sermon, that that balance is so important that we can't just go in our room and privately seek after God, that that's important, that kind of what Roy said earlier, that it plants the seeds for us to be able to go out, and when we go out, then we're able to live in that fullness of God. So, yeah, thank you. Hey Amen. Let me have the worship team come back up today, and we're going we're gonna to close in, in worship and in prayer. But what great encouragements, what great challenges. Listen, the Beatitudes are not there to be a list of rules for us to try to live by. 
right? We've got, we've got thousands of years of human history to show that trying to live by a set of rules never justified anybody and never gives anybody victory or freedom or the blessings of God. It just brings a curse, right? It just brings despair that we try to live by a set of rules and it just doesn't work over and over again and we get frustrated with ourselves and we never get where we want to be. The Beatitudes are not a list of rules for us to try to live by. They're a revelation of the nature of Jesus. And how do we walk in the nature of Jesus? We walk surrendered to him. And we bask in his love. And when his love and his spirit are at work inside of us, his nature will come out. His nature will come out. So, man, if you've been living in that despair and frustration of trying to do the right things and live by a set of rules, and this message can set you free. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to live in that. And then thank you so much, Andrew, for challenging us to that, that balance, right? That, you know, it's, hey, we like the idea of living for Jesus in the secret place, right? Because there's no pressure in the secret place. We, we don't have to go preach the gospel. We don't have to go pray for the sick. We don't have to go love the unlovable. We don't have to go forgive people that have hurt us. We love the secret place. We just get in the secret place, and it's just me and Jesus, and I don't have to do anything scary, and I don't have to deal with hard things. And so we can take that scripture and say, well, I'm not supposed to do anything publicly. Hell, we are. But our public ministry flows out of the secret place. And when is our public ministry a good thing? When we're doing it for God and not doing it for ourselves. When we're doing it to draw attention to Jesus and not draw attention to us. So don't hide from public ministry. But let's do it with the right heart and with the right reasons and from the proper foundation which is, means that we've been in the secret place and we're ready to take it to the public so that God gets all the glory. Amen? Will you stand together with me? Come on. This is good stuff today. Jesus. Lord, we just pray. Seal these words in our hearts. Oh, God, I pray that you would just take even one word that was spoken today and use it to change us. Challenge us, Lord. One area that we're struggling in, whether it be self-condemnation, whether it be self-righteousness, because we like to follow rules and we like to look down on others who don't. Heal us of that, Lord. Set us free from that. That, Lord, we might find our righteousness in you. Uh, that we might find the revelation of godly nature. We might find the revelation of a loving life in you. Not in our own deeds, not in our own list of rules, not in our own good nature, but in you, Lord. Set us free from the despair of comparison. Set us free from the despair and the pressure of having to be right in ourselves. And let us find that righteousness in you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for every person at Kauai Bible Church, that you would take our ministry public, uh, that we would not hide our faith under a basket, but we would let our light shine for all to see. Not so that people will talk about us, but so that people will talk about you. Not so that people will find hope in us, 
but so that people will find hope in you, Lord. Take our ministries public. Lord, where we have hidden in fear, where we have avoided public ministry, Lord, where we have avoided our responsibility to be ambassadors for your kingdom and to be ministers of reconciliation, where we have avoided those things, Lord, call us out. Call us out from the shadows into the public place. Call us to the public ministry of preaching the gospel. Call us to the public ministry of serving the poor. Call us to the public ministry of praying for the sick. Call us to the public ministry of loving those that others have rejected and forsaken. Call us to the public ministry of forgiving our enemies and loving our enemies. Call us to that place, O Lord. Jesus, and call us to that place as we have found you in the secret place. Jesus, let us not hide from our responsibilities of your kingdom. Let us embrace them and live them out publicly. But let us do it with the right hearts and the right attitude, Lord. Break down our pride. Break down our ambition. Break down our, our sinful nature. Break down our selfishness, Lord. That we would not do it for any of those things. We would do it for you and for you alone, Lord. We thank you for that, Jesus. Do a great work in us because we gathered together today and we were transformed by your word. Let our hearts be open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.